Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Good evening. Okay. And blessings. And welcome to another installment of the Gist for Freedom Estate. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author, Leslie Gist, and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who, with faith and focus, are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Hello, this is Leslie Gist, and you're listening to The Gist of Freedom, um, all powered by Black HistoryUniversity.com or the University of Black History. Today we have a special guest, Mr. David Head. Um, we will be talking about the Sesame Street or the Sesame Place, the Baco, the racist behavior. Um, they um, subjected a little four-year-old to uh, she was celebrating her birthday at Sesame Place. Without any further ado, this is Mr. David Hay. Hi, David. Hi, good afternoon, uh, Leslie. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to come on and share uh, what little bit I do know uh, about history and uh, education and uh, innovation. Now, tell tell us more about the um, roller coaster. That's what you're here for. Okay. Well, Granville T. Woods, basically, that was one of his uh, revolutionary inventions that we uh, utilize. If you look at roller coaster history, you won't, you won't see his name, unfortunately. And he's the inventor who created the amusement apparatus, figure eight amusement apparatus in 1899, uh, the beginning of the, uh, the 20th century. And it was purchased by uh, Steeplechase Park, George Tatayu. He was the owner of Steeplechase Park, and he was very fascinated with electrical devices. And so when that theme park burnt down, he made a bigger and better theme park in Coney Island, and he purchased Granville T. Woods' electric real uh, amusement apparatus, figure eight, uh, but you won't see that when you speak, when you start to look up uh, the roller coaster history. Uh, there was other roller coasters, but they're not, they weren't using electricity, okay? He was the first one to do that. I was able to get him acknowledged for being the uh, father that modernized the roller coaster in 2009 uh, in the Hall of Fame. Charlie Denson is the founder and president of the Coney Island Hall of Fame, and I was honored to come out in costume as Grand Woods to share 
his uh, his significant contribution in that area. Okay. Now, did you get your hands on the actual patent and design of the roller coaster? You can actually go to uh, the uh, patent, the patents where patents are, the patent number, uh, the patent office, and putting Ramble Two Words Amusement Apparatus. They will it will show you the design, the, the specification. Usually, a specification that's the wording of the uh, the invention. You'll see a picture of the device and what that picture picture means regarding to the invention and how to describe what that you're looking at in that picture. And so uh, he received that patent and uh, you can, you can go on that if you go to the uh, the website for the U S patent office. Yes. Now when he um, invented this uh, roller coaster was Coney Island already a flourishing site. Uh, during the, they call them the gay nineties, the 1890s. That's when they was making amusement parks throughout the United States. People were working hard, and they wanted to get away and enjoy themselves with their family, loved ones, their friends. And they would go out to these locations. And uh, they, uh, that's where uh, it, was, it was very lucrative, and Granville T. Woods recognized that. And that's why he began to get involved in that space with the, with the roller coaster. Yes. Okay. So was there other roller coasters at Coney Island when he invented his, when he put his on display? No. There was not an electric roller. They had other devices, but there wasn't any uh, electric roller roller coaster. He's the one that made it loop in and loop out. That's why he called it the figure eight amusement apparatus. All right. Because okay. it looks like an eight. He's the one that did that design. Okay. Yes. He was a mechanical engineer, an electrical genius, that was able to harness electricity for a living throughout his lifetime during the age of segregation. Truly an amazing man to do that as a lone black inventor during that time period. And then he was told by the old timers that the future lied in electricity and he began fascinated with electricity and he saved his money and went east to learn about electricity in his school in a formal way couldn't get a job, so he opened up his own shop in Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati was the queen city of the West, okay? It's known as the queen city of the West. It's a large city. He went there to learn more, to open up his shop, okay? And so he started making electrical parts, repairing parts, but he noticed that there was problems on the railroad dealing with communication, especially he made three electrical, his first early invention with electricity deal with transport communication. The first one was the telegraph phony, which acted as a telegraph and a telephone combined. Okay? So mm-hmm. if someone couldn't understand the Morse code, they can click on a switch and they can talk into that phone. Okay? Like talk text To communicate with somebody at another station. It's like today's text messaging on the phone. We can talk on the phone or we can text. Isn't that amazing? Okay. And that was back in uh, the early 1880s, okay, on it. And be mindful, he didn't do that uh, with
the group of people. He did that alone. Thomas Edison was able to get people to help him because he was very limited in his innovative ability. He had great ideas, but he, he had, had to get all people to ideas of reality. At the end of the day, they got a paycheck, but the invention was in his name. Right. What you're saying, David, and, you know, I'm from New Jersey, and the Thomas Edison Museum is here in New Jersey. When I taught electronics for nearly 20 years, um, we went on field trips to the Thomas Edison Museum, and they have a display where they teach the students about the muckers. He called those people that were the true engineers muckers. They were from all over the world. He would bring them from different countries. That's right. And his um, factory. And like That's you said, they were not credited with any of the inventions. And one of the people who was credited, who did not receive any credit and left and quit because he got ripped off, was yours truly. Tesla, Nikola Tesla. Yes. Okay, go on. Well, okay, so the telegraph only, then he he insisted and he made something called the telephone transmitter, transmitter, and that was able to carry voice sound long distance and much more clearer. Thomas Edison, number George, what is that? Alexander Graham Bell, A.G. Bell, he is the, was, is the inventor to recognize as being the inventor of the telephone. But the original telephone was, was very, had a lot of static. It didn't carry uh, the voice long distance. He couldn't even sell it to uh, Western Union because they thought it was a toy. They said, it doesn't keep any record. I, it's not, I have no use for this thing. And so that was something that was uh, needed to be improved like most of the inventions during that time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Graham was in 1880. He started working on this around 1884. He called it the induction telegraph system using wireless, it was wireless communication system using electromagnetism as a means to carry voice sound also for routing and also for safety that can communicate not only from station to station, but also be able to communicate with somebody from the station onto the train. The Moore system was basically used from station to station, a very important uh, invention, Samuel Morse, okay? But it couldn't communicate with anybody on the train. Well, let's, um, let me um, interject. Samuel Morse is also from Jersey, from the Morris Town area, and he was an abolitionist. Keep going. Okay. Very good. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Most of those men that you brought up were very religious. They came, they, their inventions came about during the Enlightenment period, coming mm-hmm. out of the civil period. Okay. You hear about mad scientists and you have this Darwinism versus um, um, science. It's a farce. The, the scientists that are are credited for all the innovations that we are uh, benefiting from today really come from people who have much, much respect for the laws and principalities of God. They were very religious folks. So this this whole concept of Darwinism and that if you um, believe in the Garden of Eden, you must not be um, high-tech or you must be a backwards person, 
is all propaganda that happened as a result of the end of slavery, which was fueled by the Enlightenment period and the people who were from that era. So when um, we won our independence, our freedom in this country, the evil ones who fought to keep us enslaved said we have to hijack and re-engineer everything that was done to help them maintain their liberty. And the first thing they said was attack the educational system. So they started their own school system, and the first thing they did was they started to teach the children how to salute the flag, which is the, uh, which is the main thing in the Bible says we do not um, idolize anything. So the first thing they wanted to do was to uh, indoctrinate them with their wicked ways. And part of that was saluting flags. It was also saying that, you know, you did not come from God, Adam and Eve, but you came from a monkey. Mm-hmm. And to also say that um, that the scientists all co-signed on this racist theory and this racist education. So when you study these people, when you said Hearst, George Ohm, um, the other ones from New Jersey, um, all these people were serious, um, God-fearing folks. Wow. They were abolitionists. So... When you hear Darwinism coming up, Darwinism only came about after black people were free and when they started to implement public school education. The schools that were the backbone for black people to be free were all Christian-based schools. So when you hear them say, oh, they use Christianity to enslave people, that is a farce. That's not true. The Christian doctrine was the doctrine that helped propel black people into freedom. Let me also say this. We got to look at images uh, when we're looking at history or anything. Images always play a part in the subject matter. It amplifies the story. But a lot of the images that we show, uh, uh, they have whitewash the complexion of these images. For instance, the Francis Tavern, the owner of Francis Tavern in lower Manhattan uh, was a man by the, they call them, uh, he was Francis, but they call him Black Sam. Right. But if you look at Black Sam, his image gets wider and wider every every year. Okay. Mm-hmm. His uh-huh. daughter saved George Washington's life because she's hey, seen. What happened? The I, I didn't hear that part. I didn't so, hear that um, part. I'll go back, David. What? Who saved whose life? George Washington. He had a daughter named Phoebe. Uh, Francis Tavern. He used to go there and make plans. They used to eat, make plans. And one of the generals put poison in his food when he wasn't looking. But Phoebe, his daughter, noticed, shared that with General uh, George Washington. And he was able to be saved from that. And they was able to get that general uh, right there, right then and there. Now, when they now that's that he funny, was funny. I just finished posting uh, a story about Francis Tavern. And the reason I shared it is because I was watching a documentary on Netflix, and it talked about um, the original name of Francis Tavern was Queen Charlotte. He honored her by naming his brand-new tavern in 1762 when she was coronated. He named his tavern after her. So when you hear white people saying, oh, he's not black, she's not black, oh, and she wasn't political, she had no influence, 
I said she was more, she had more influence all over the world than Michelle Obama at the time. And she was in that uh, position for many years, Queen yes. Charlotte. Yes. Right. And for he many was, years. He was in yes. there one, two years. that she was there, I don't know, the, it had to be over somewhere between about 15 years. Queen Charlotte was around a long time playing a leadership role in Great Britain. Truly an amazing woman. But there was other you know people. North Carolina is named after. Huh? You, know North, you know North Carolina. Yeah, and that's why it's so good to read and do and, and, and seek knowledge and uh, do your own uh, research. This way you'll learn more. Don't take my word for it. Do your I own think, research. I think it's even better that we even have uh, a a theme park in North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, you know, to offset what's going on in um how did he cross paths with um, Edison? I'm trying to get to Okay, that. anytime you have, Gramercy was invented for a living. He wasn't having fun with this thing. He was inventing with a purpose to make money. His goal was to make money, okay? There were other inventors, inventors out there that had similar ideas. You have an idea that you want to use to uh, communicate with somebody from a train to the station. I also have an, an idea like that. You have that when you have inventors, one inventor, two inventors, all claiming the same idea, then you have a patent interference case. You're interfering me with me from getting my patent, and I'm interfering with you so you can get your patent. So therefore, you have a judge, which is basically a patent examiner. He's not known as a judge, but he acts as a judge. He's a patent examiner to determine who has the documentation to affirm that he was the first inventor of that idea. Uh-huh. And guess what? Grambleton was, was able to prove that against Lucius Phelps, who had a similar idea, and then against Thomas Edison, who also claimed that he had the idea first. And that's uh-huh. when he came, came into conflict. How did Grambleton was win? With his five working models, with, with, with witnesses to prove that uh, they they, they uh, signed the sketches, okay? And there was articles uh, of those inventions that he demonstrated on the street, okay? Mm-hmm. And so then he also had a patent expert. Uh, he had, a, no, not what I say, a, a patent expert. He had an electrical expert to uh, let the patent examiner know that this was a viable patent. There wasn't nothing abstract about it. He was able to explain the principles of each of these components and how they connected to make it a workable invention. And that was very big. When you had an expert patent, he was like an impartial witness. He was an entrepreneur. Tell us more about his company and who he employed. Okay, now... He started his own Woods Electric Company, but once he won that case against Thomas Edison, he had people that was very powerful begin to upgrade the Woods Electric Company, okay? Now, this was a very large company, and they was going to put out the patents on his, on his device. They didn't even have to, he didn't have to uh, uh, protect his patents anymore because now they had lawyers to protect his, his, his innovations, Okay, all he had to do was invent, and that was back in 1887. When he was able to just sit down and invent patents, 
He invented almost 10 patents that year. Just, okay? These, these venture capitalists was about making money off his inventions. Yes. So um, they all went to Egypt, and this is where, and I went there, you remember, on my honeymoon. You will see in the hieroglyphics inside of the tombs pictures of wireless devices, light bulbs being held by individuals. They yeah, have a book called The Ark. The Ark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do have a book very, called The Ark on there. Yeah, it was very common. So they were using uh, wireless technology back in the Egyptian times. And, and, and the powers that be, they knew, they knew about this technology. You know, Alexander Hamilton knew about it because he chose Patterson, New Jersey, my birthplace, as the site to invent and to create this technology because of the Great Falls. Tesla used water, hydro plants, as a way to conduct electricity. That's why he went out there in Canada and upstate Niagara New York. Falls. Niagara Falls. That's where it went, Niagara Falls, to create the right. AC current. Right. So Patterson, New Jersey, they have a falls, but they're not using that technology. And it would upend everything if they were to convert all of our electricity to the way that Alexander Hamilton wanted it done, to the way that Tesla wanted it done. Um, we would not have all these electrical poles. In New Jersey, New York, you got everything underground. So, you know, we're moving fast forward ahead. And to stay on this same line of thought, um, Zora Neale Hurston, her black family came from, I think it was Eatonville, Florida. Mm-hmm. They were one of the first towns in Florida to use the technology of electricity. So black wow. people and electricity have been one since the beginning of the time. And yeah. we're learning how and sharing um, this power source for free since the beginning of the time. Now, why do you want to harness it and control it and calculate it and measure it? You know, that's for someone else to, to talk about. But keep moving forward with the story of this lawsuit. I like how you explained to me years ago how this drama unfolded in court. And he managed to end up in, in Coney Island. And for young people who've never heard of Coney Island, you know, give us the backstory. Well, when Granville T. Woods was able to win the case against Thomas Edison, they started a company. But the owners of the company, they did not want to back him against an interference case with his electric railway ideas. He wanted, like most innovators, they have ideas where they need to go, not where you want them to go. Okay. And... When he came to New York, he ran up against a patent shark that lived in, in, in Cincinnati and that knew him, who had came to uh, the, the, the city of New York to start the American Patent Agency. And he also named it the National Patent Agency because he got in trouble with the American Patent Agency in Cincinnati. So he changed the name to the, the, the National Patent Agency, okay? And he came to New York to start the National Patent Agency, and Granville T. Woods had an electric railway system at uh, this, name, this man named David Haas, who had an electric motor company, 
and he was uh, dealing with electric motor motors, and he allowed Grand Wilshire Woods to build his electric railway system at his shop. He stole those ideas from Grand Wilshire Woods, came to New Jersey with uh, Zerby to demonstrate it in New Jersey, okay? Okay, they were showcasing that device, and the problem was it began to short circuit because when it went outside, the oil, the air and moisture short circuit that system and they didn't know how to fix it. So they, they, nobody wanted to invest in that system. If they had brought Gramble T. Woods along, he would have been able to fix that. But no, they wanted the money all for themselves. When Gramble T. Woods came to the city of New York, he ran it to Zerby. He seen a newspaper article. He came to New uh, and he went to see Zerby. Zerby knew who he was, but he didn't know who Zerby was at that time. And they began to put his system on the market in Coney Island, okay? But uh -huh. he stole Granville T. Woods' inventions in Coney Island by making a copy of it without Granville T. Woods' permission. And Granville T. Woods had a, a fight, an actual fist fight with him in his office. And they, the relationship was broken up. So he demonstrated Granville T. Woods' system and claimed it in Coney Island. It was very successful. And he brought out the electric uh, railway uh, owners, electricians, and the system, system was able to obliviate the overhead trolley system. It was a surface electric railway system that was revolutionary, that not only could operate on surface, but also put, uh, was able to light up the street lights on the corner of the lights, as well as electrical appliances at home. Once again, it was a multiplex system that was devised by the genius Granville T. Woods. Granville T. Woods went to court to claim that invention that was his. He put an advertisement in the Electric Age and some other electrical journals saying that, saying that Zerby had purloined that system, which means stolen. Zerby had him locked up for criminal slander. And they went to court. And over here, Grandma, he was, went to jail, too. He went to jail for a couple of days Ooh, for criminal Granville. slander. Granville T. went to jail? Yeah, for, 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 for slandering Zerby's name, okay? Because he didn't have the money to pay the bill. So he was able to, he was in jail for that, for a couple of days, okay? And then they went to court, and it was proven that the system belonged to Granville T. Woods. Then Granville T. Woods came out the following year with another electric railway system that was an electrical third rail conduit system in Coney Island. The first system was in 1892 in Coney Island. The next system was in 1893 in Coney Island. And he was able to get a better deal with some electric railway uh, or capitalists to, to, to invest in that system, okay? Wow. And then he upgraded that system into the modern day third rail system that we have today, okay? Uh -huh. He is the father of modern rail transportation based upon the research I did to change transit history back in 2004 when I was able to get him recognized for being the key inventor of the subway for the opening of the subway centennial operation, a century of progress. They gave me the mic, made four panels, and, and made four million metro cars to acknowledge Granville T. Woods as the key inventor of the subway. That is my claim to fame. That's right. How many how many subway passes? 
It was four million. Two million was in Spanish, and two million was in English. And it said, this self-educated African-American made subway travel possible in New York City when he patented the third rail system for conducting electric power to railway cars. I've said it so many times, I know it by heart. You were running down so many names today to me earlier. Please run that down for our audience, and then we'll wrap up this show. Your names like uh, who? who what, which, Modern day invention, the GPS system, the cell phone. Oh yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Let me go back to ground with you. Was one more? Uh, so many things he invented that was revolutionary. Talking about modern day technology, what what I'm using in my hand is a, a, a cell phone. Jesse Russell is the inventor of the modern cell phone. His job was to take it out the car because they want to utilize it in a vehicle and take it out of vehicle and put it in, the, in, in your hand. They didn't know how to do that. But he went to Tennessee State in that area, and he was able to do that revolutionary idea so we can do what we're doing right now, putting it in our hand to communicate with one another. Jesse Russell is the father of modern cell phones. Then you got Silicon Valley. They speak about Steve Jobs and the other gentlemen, and their names should be recognized. I have no problem recognizing what you do, but don't leave us out of the equation because we're always there too. Roy, uh, Roy Clay Sr., he's the father of Silicon Valley. He was a software engineer for Hewlett Packard, okay? David Packard hired uh, Roy Clay to begin uh, – utilizing computer as a software engineer. He played a leadership role in that area in Silicon Valley, okay? Then you have the .com.org domain. Edward, Mc, Edward McHenry, Edward McHenry, who is still alive today, who's an engineer, he's the one that created that device, okay? The domain, domain names, and so forth and so on, okay? Now you're talking also about the GPS system. The GPS system was started by Gladys West, a naval in, uh, officer, and she was a genius. Just like in Hidden Figures, Hidden Colors, uh, Hidden Figures, she was a, math, uh, a genius mathematician, and she was able to calculate the GPS for the, for the military first, and now we're using it today, Gladys West, and that was in the 1950s. A lot of these inventions are used in the military first before they come into public use. Okay, let's be mindful of that. Mark Dean, do you use a PC computer? Mark Dean holds three original patents of the PC computer, okay? They speak about some of these great men that played a part in computer. Well, he played a great part. They leave him out the equation, okay? And then you also have uh, the, the, uh, the game cartridge industry, okay? There's so many game cartridges, people, these young kids, and even grown-ups play with the game cartridges. Jerry Lawson, he's the, he's the one that modernized the game cartridge industry. Jerry Lawson, look him up, look his name, look, look up his name, okay? Uh, now, let's go back to, let me step back for a moment to Louis Latimer. Louis Latimer was a contemporary of... Uh, Granville T. Woods, and he's part of the Edison Pioneers, the only African-American uh, part of, uh, pi 
of, that played a part in Edison's pioneer. He didn't get him because he was a black person. He connected with uh, Lewis Latimer because he was a genius like Thomas Edison, but he worked within the, a company confines. He was not a lone inventor. He's the one that built, drew up the, the blueprint for the telephone, for Alexander Graham Bell's telephone, okay, as a draftsman. He also was the inventor of the carbon uh, filament. Edison had a carbon filament. He had a better one. Edison's filament, the light, was like a light bulb. It would go on and then it would go off, like a Christmas light, go on and come off. That's not good for commercial usage. He's the one that uh, made it possible for the light bulb to stay on with his carbon filament. And guess what? He's the one that wrote the book on the Edison incandescent lighting system, okay? Edison didn't write the book on the Edison incandescent book. He wrote the book, Lewis Latimer. He's also uh, served as the electrical consultant in inter patent interference cases. When you went up against Edison, he protected Edison with his great electrical mind to showcase why Edison was the primary uh, inventor of the system. So he worked with Edison in multiple ways. Lewis Latimer and his house is in Russian and he's right. still there today. And I, I went there and presented Gramble C. Woods uh, on, uh, for a couple of weeks. I made a presentation and, 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 and kept my exhibit uh, that the MTA sponsored my exhibit. I was going all around. I still have that exhibit. And recently I was at the cemetery for Gramble C. Woods this year, April 23rd. Now, is there a museum at Latimer's house? Is there a museum? Yes, it is it's more than a house. Yes, it has information about uh, Lewis Latimer during that time period, a lot of newspaper articles, pictures. He also was a poet, very poetic young a man, a family man who worked within the, in the system. And within the system, him and Granville, he was at the same lawyer for, for a period of time. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. And sharing all your wealth of knowledge is just pouring out of you like a spring. Um, so, again, David Head, if someone wants to contact you to purchase your book, to have you come speak, um, and we're going to move this part of the interview up to the front, um, how would they contact you? Okay, I have a website, David L. Head Foundation, www.davidlheadfoundation.com, lowercasing, davidlheadfoundation.com. That's my website. My email address is dlhfoundation51 at gmail.com, dlhfoundation51 at gmail.com. And my phone number is area code 917-517-1770. Once again, 917-517-1770. And let me say this as well. I didn't mention any woman, and there's a lot of great woman inventors and they get left out all the time. And what would we do without women? Women are the mothers of nature, uh, mother nature. And without a woman, I wouldn't be here. So we got to give our hats off to, to women. Betty Wright, when you go to the airport, you go through the scam and they check for chemicals. She's the inventor of that. She was a chemist. Betty Wright. Look her up. All right. All right. Thank you, David. You have a good You're day. You're welcome. 
You're so much welcome. It's good to be here alive <laughs> to be able to share this history uh, as many times as I can, and it's a labor of love. All right. Thanks again. You're welcome, Leslie. Okay. Bye-bye.
Hello, this is Leslie Gist, and you're listening to The Gist of Freedom, um, all powered by BlackHistoryUniversity.com or the University of Black History. Today we have a special guest, Mr. David Head. Um, we will be talking about the Sesame Street or the Sesame Place, the Baco, the racist behavior. Um, they um, subjected a little four-year-old to uh, she was celebrating her birthday at Sesame Place. Without any further ado, this is Mr. David Hay. Hi, David. Hi, good afternoon, uh, Leslie. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to come on and share uh, one little bit I do know uh, about history and uh, education and uh, innovation. Okay. All right. Now, because of what happened with – let me turn all these chimes off. I'm sorry. Because what has happened at the Sesame Place, I felt that we need to share, remind our people who are enraged of who we are, where we come from, and that really we don't really need Sesame Place. We never had. And we can revive a, a, a plethora of historical site theme parks, resorts that were founded by black people for black people. And a lot of times people are mistaken and thinking that black places were only created because we were shunned by um, black white establishments. That is not true. Just like every other race and people, we want our own just like everybody else, not because white didn't let us in, but because we wanted a beach. We wanted a lake. We wanted a theme park. So with that being said, I chose to invite you to talk about Granville T. Woods because of his So can you pick it up from there? Yes, well, history is usually told by those who control its interpretation. And those who control its interpretation don't look like us. In the major, in the mainstream media, those uh, they have the uh, the power and the influence and the funds to create these entities to showcase uh, what we see before us on TV, in the movies, in these theme parks, a lot of times in the museums. So we don't have our own our own museums, our own schools, our own uh, theme parks then we're going to continue to be showcased uh, or be left out. Uh, uh, we have a limited space in that conversation. And so uh, I uh, impress upon the folks to continue to read, learn, and uh, share the information that you learn regarding who you are. Uh, basically, the story of Granville T. Woods is a microcosm of the significant contributions that people of color have made to the world that's basically been marginalized, omitted, or simply pushed aside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell, okay. tell us more about the um, roller coaster. That's what you're here for. Okay. Well, Granville T. Woods basically... That was one of his uh, revolutionary inventions that we uh, utilize. If you look at roller coaster history, you won't you won't see his name, unfortunately. 
and he's the inventor who created the amusement apparatus, figure eight amusement apparatus in 1899, uh, the beginning of the, uh, the 20th century, and it was purchased by uh, Steeplechase Park, George Tatayu. He was the owner of Steeplechase Park, and he was very fascinated with electrical devices. And so when that theme park burnt down, he made a bigger and better theme park in Coney Island, and he purchased Granville T. Woods' electric real uh, amusement apparatus, figure eight. Uh, but you won't see that when you speak, when you start to look up uh, the roller coaster history. Uh, there was other roller coasters, but they're not, they were using electricity, okay? He was the first one to do that. I was able to get him acknowledged for being the uh, father that modernized the roller coaster in 2009 uh, in the Hall of Fame. Charlie Denson is the founder and president of the Coney Island Hall of Fame, and I was honored to come out in costume as Granville T. Woods to share his, uh, his significant contribution in that area. Okay. Now, did you get your hands on the actual patent and design of the roller coaster? You can actually go to uh, the uh, patent, the patents where patents, are, the patent number, uh, the patent office, and putting Granville T. Woods amusement apparatus. They will, it will show you the design, the, the specification. Usually, a specification that's the wording of the uh, the invention. You'll see a picture of the device and what that picture means regarding to the invention and how it is described. What that you're looking at in that picture, and so uh, he received that patent. And uh, you can you can go on that if you go to the uh, the website for the U.S. Patent Office. Yes. Now, when he um, invented this uh, roller coaster, was Coney Island already a flourishing site? Uh, during the, they call them the gay 90s, the 1890s. That's when they was making roller, uh, amusement parks throughout the United States. People were working hard, and they wanted to get away and enjoy themselves with their family, loved ones, their friends. And they would go out to these locations. And uh, they uh, that's where... Uh, it was it was very lucrative, and Granville T. Woods recognized that, and that's why he began to get involved in that space with the with the roller coaster. Yes. Okay. So, was there other roller coasters at Coney Island when he invented his? When he put his on display? No, there was not an electric roller. They had other devices, but there wasn't any uh, electric roller roller coaster. He's the one that made it loop in and loop out. That's why he call it the figure eight amusement apparatus. All right. Okay. It looks like an eight. He's the one that did that design. Okay. Yes. He was a mechanical engineer, an electrical genius that was able to harness electricity for a living throughout his lifetime during the age of segregation. Truly an amazing man to do that as a lone black inventor during that time period. Okay. Now, tell us more about who he was. Let's start from um, Mr. 
Granville T. Woods um, upbringing. Okay. Granville T. Woods came up. He was born in 1851. Uh, on a lot of books, they'll mention 1856, uh, but that's not true. He was actually born, based upon the census, he was born in, in 1851 in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, and that was very, uh, very over 150 years ago. And the world was much different during that time. And so uh, he was fascinated with the steam engine railroad at that time and with the uh, smoke coming out of the engine, the, the big wheels churning, the sounds of it. And he would watch the steam engine trains as a little boy going and coming out of Columbus, Ohio. And he was able to get a job in a railroad shop. Uh, and from that point, he began to learn how to make parts as a blacksmith because he became a blacksmith helper first. And then he uh, paid the master mechanic how to operate the, tr the, the machines, the different machines in that shop. And so uh, he received a hands-on education, which is known as a vocational education nowadays. He didn't receive it not just in a book. He actually got a hands-on education, how a train can be put together from the ground up. And then he was he left that shop. He didn't want to just be a mechanical engineer. Uh, he didn't want to be a machinist or a blacksmith. And when you're looking at these prints in the area of building machines and building tools, and uh, you have to read the blueprint. The blueprint is made by a mechanical engineer. So he was learning about mechanical engineering <laughs> in that type of way and how to construct a part. Okay. okay. Let's fast forward that up was to amazing yourself right there. Go ahead. Before, That's the beginning of was in Columbus, Ohio. I'm sorry. Okay, before we go back to his youth, let's um fast forward to his um confrontation with Thomas Edison and why okay. they for him the black Thomas Edison. Okay, so when he left uh he Columbus, Ohio, he was able to get a job as a railroad engine in, in Missouri, okay? And because he wanted to be a locomotive engineer, that was his first dream. And then he was told by the old timers that the future lied in electricity and he began fascinated with electricity and he saved his money and went east to learn about electricity in a school in a formal way. Couldn't get a job, so he opened up his own shop in Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati was the queen city of the West, okay? It's known as the queen city of the West. It's a large city. He went there to learn more, to open up his shop, okay? And so he started making electrical parts, repairing parts, but he noticed that there was problems on the railroad dealing with communication. Deal, especially, he made three electrical, his first early inventions with electricity deal with transport communication. The first one was the telegraph phony, which acted as a telegraph and a telephone combined. Okay? So mm -hmm. if someone couldn't understand the Morse code, they can click on a switch and they can talk into that phone. Okay? Like talk text to communicate with somebody at like another station. It's like today's text messaging. 
on the phone. We can talk on the phone or we can text. Isn't that amazing? Okay. And that was back in uh, the early 1880s, okay? And be, be mindful, there was no really formal engineering schools. They had en electrical engineering in a small area, but they didn't really have a really electrical engineering department that taught electricity during the early 1880s, okay? So he was self-educated. He just learned by reading and using his empirical knowledge to devise parts that can uh, elevate society. And so he was basically harnessing electricity, not only understanding it, but utilizing it to make a part that could be useful. Because be mindful also at that time, there was a lot of people that knew about theories on electricity, but they couldn't make anything. Okay, the names goes on and on. Okay, Ampere, Louis Ampere, and then you got the Ohms. There was a gentleman that they used the name Ohms after this. George Ohms. George Ohms Hertz. Right. That Hertz Ohms. And you got the computer. These are all people that didn't make anything. They knew and understand theories, but they couldn't make any useful part. He not only understood it, but he was able to make a part on it. And be mindful, he didn't do that uh, with a group of people. He did that alone. Thomas Edison was able to get people to help him because he was very limited in his innovative ability. He had great ideas, but he, he had, had to get other people to make their ideas a reality. At the end of the day, they got a paycheck, but the invention was in his name. Right. What you're saying, David, and, you know, I'm from New Jersey, and the Thomas Edison Museum is here in New Jersey. When I taught electronics for nearly 20 years, um, we went on field trips to the Thomas Edison Museum, and they have a display where they teach the students about the muckers. He called those people that were the true engineers muckers. They were from all over the world. He would bring them from That's different right. That's right. And his um, factory. And like That's he said, they were not credited with any of the inventions. And one of the people who was credited, who did not receive any credit and left and quit because he got ripped off was yours truly, Tesla, Nikola Tesla. Yes. Right. Well, okay, so the telegraph phone, then he, helped, he assisted and he made something called the telephone transmitter, transmitter, and that was able to carry voice sound long distance and much more clearer. Thomas Edison, the majority, what is that? Alexander Graham Bell, A.G. Bell, he is the, was, is the inventor to recognize as being the inventor of the telephone. But the original telephone was, was very, had a lot of static. It didn't carry uh, the voice long distance. He couldn't even sell it to uh, Western Union because they thought it was a toy. They said it doesn't keep any record. I, not, I have no use for this thing. And so that was something that was uh, needed to be improved, like most of the inventions during that time, uh -huh. to be improved, okay? And so he had the ability to improve any invention. Why? Because he was an electrical genius. These other people, they were inventive-minded, but they, 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 their, their invention was very rudimentary, and he recognized, like he did most of his inventions, he would use the invention that was on the market and improve upon it to advance with, with, with advanced technology. 
because he was a genius, and he did that time and time again. Uh, okay, so uh, A.G. Bell bought the telephone trans telegraph phony and the telephone transmitter, okay? Now uh-huh. transfer something that was even more important, and all those inventions were important. If you ever stand on a station today, uh-huh. they have something that deals with the, the, uh, when the train is coming, what time the train is coming, okay? Uh-huh. Graham was in 1880. He started working on this around 1884. He called it the induction telegraph system using wireless, it was wireless communication system using electromagnetism as a means to carry voice sound also for routing and also for safety that can, can communicate not only from station to station, but also be able to communicate with somebody from the station onto the train. The Moore system was basically used from station to station, a very important uh, invention, Samuel Morse, okay? But it couldn't communicate with anybody on the train. Well, let's, um, let me um, interject. Samuel Morse is also from Jersey, from the Morris Town area, and he was an abolitionist. Keep going. Okay. Very good. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Most of those men that you brought up were very religious. They came. They, their inventions came about during the Enlightenment period, coming mm-hmm. out of period. Okay. You hear about mad scientists and you have this Darwinism versus um, um, science. It's a farce. The, the scientists that are, are credited for all the innovations that we are uh, benefiting from today really come from people who have much, much respect for the laws and principalities of God. They were very religious folks. So this this whole concept of Darwinism and that if you um, believe in the Garden of Eden, you must not be um, high-tech or you must be a backwards person is all propaganda that happened as a result of the end of slavery, which was fueled by the Enlightenment period and the people who were from that era. So mm-hmm. when um, we won our independence our freedom in this country, the evil ones who fought to keep us enslaved, said we have to hijack and re-engineer everything that was done to help them maintain their liberty. And the first thing they said was attack the educational system. So they started their own school system, and the first thing they did was they started to teach the children how to salute the flag, which is the, uh, which is the main thing in the Bible says we do not. Um, idolize anything. So the first thing they wanted to do was to uh, indoctrinate them with their wicked ways. And part of that was saluting flags, was also saying that, you know, you did not come from God, Adam and Eve, but you came from a monkey. Mm -hmm. And to also say that that the scientists all co-signed on this racist theory and this racist education. So when you study these people, when you said Hertz, George Ohm, um, the other one's from New Jersey, um, she did the x-ray. What is her name? Anyway, she also founded the Red Cross. I'll look mm-hmm. it up. But all these people 
were serious, um, God-fearing folks. Wow. were abolitionists. So when you hear Darwinism coming up, Darwinism only came about after black people were free and when they started to implement public school education. The schools that were the backbone for black people to be free were all Christian-based schools. So when you hear them say, oh, they use Christianity to enslave people, that is a farce. That's not true. The Christian doctrine was the doctrine that helped propel black people into freedom. Now, it's not would be the head of this movement of Darwinism. Um, Tice is his name? What is that scientist's name that they put all over PBS and everywhere? He's a, he's a proponent for um, technology, but it excludes, you know, the God's version and the God's um, um, influence. Mm-hmm. All well, right. I was thinking about, yeah, he's ahead of the planetarium. Right, uh, right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. And uh, he, they, they gave him, they give him the green light on a lot of things. He's very bright, right? And very, uh, very. He has a lot of cha- a lot of character, and uh, very uh, a lot of personality. I know who you're talking about. Uh, but uh, let me also say this: we got to look at images uh, when we're looking at history or anything, images always play a part in the subject matter. It amplifies the story. But a lot of the images that we show, are uh, they have whitewash the complexion of these images. For instance, George Washington, he, if you look up his history, and mm-hmm. some of these people that goes back to England, they have swathy, the word swathy. Look up the word swathy. Mm-hmm. Swathy means... Uh, to a, a large extent, a person of color, okay? And okay. so there's information online about, it goes back in books, how to describe some of these pitch, pe- people that they, they are swathy. If you, the Francis Tavern, the owner of Francis Tavern in Lower Manhattan uh, was a man by the, they called him, uh, he was Francis, but they called him Black Sam. Right. But if you look at Black Sam, his image gets wider and wider every every year. Okay, mm-hmm. his mm-hmm. daughter saved George Washington's life because she's Wait, seen. What happened? The I, I didn't hear that part. I didn't so, hear that um, part. Go back, David. What? Who saved whose life? George Washington. He had a daughter named Phoebe. Uh, Francis Tavern. He used to go there and make plans. They used to eat, make plans, and one of the generals put poison in his food when he wasn't looking. But Phoebe, his daughter, noticed, shared that with General uh, George Washington, and he was able to be saved from that, and they was able to get that general uh, right there, right then and there. Now, they that's that he funny, because I just finished posting uh, a story about Francis Tavern, and the reason I shared it is because I was watching the documentary on Netflix, and it talked about um, the original name of Francis Tavern, was Queen Charlotte. Did okay. you know that? No, Queen Charlotte. I know she was okay. another person of color. Right. Uh, so in, 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 he was a, a person of color. A lot of those people back then, they were right. swapping. The name and, swapped. The, right. My, he, honored, he honored her by naming his brand-new tavern in 1762 when she was coronated. He named his tavern after her. 
So when you hear white people saying, oh, he's not black, she's not black, oh, and she wasn't political, she had no influence, I said she was more, she had more influence all over the world than Michelle Obama at the time. And she was in that uh, position for many years, Queen yes. Charlotte. Yes. Right. And for he many was, years. He was in his there one, two years. that she was there, I don't know, it had to be over somewhere between about 15 years. Queen Charlotte was around a long time playing a leadership role in Great Britain. Truly an amazing woman. But there was other you know people. North Carolina is named after. Huh? You, know North, you know North Carolina. Yeah, and that's why it's so good to read and do and, and, and seek knowledge and uh, do your own uh, research. This way you'll learn more. Don't take my word for it. Do your I own think, research. I think it's even better that we even have uh, a a theme park in North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, you know, to offset what's going on in um, in such um, place. Hold on again. Audience, I apologize for the technical difficulty. This interview, again, was um, accepted at a whim. Um, I, I appreciate Mr. David Head taking the time out of his busy, busy schedule to come on and talk to us about Sesame Place and how we can convert our historical sites, our historical theme parks and, and ventures, such as David, um, David Head's um, main subject uh, person that he um that he goes out in period costumes and reenacts Mr. Granville T. Woods. So let's get back on track, David. Let's talk about the lawsuit that Thomas Edison um, filed against Mr. Granville T. Woods. Okay. Thanks for once again, Leslie, for inviting me on your show. Uh, I've been on your show in the past, and it's just good to be able to share this rich history of such a prolific inventor as Granville T. Woods uh, regarding the induction telegraph system, which was a wireless communication that connected a train, someone on the train, to someone at the, at the station. During that time, they had the Samuel Moore system, the Morse code, and they were able to communicate from station to station. But if two trains was going to collide or a train was coming too close to another one at high speed, uh, they were not able to connect, communicate from train to train or train to station. So Granville T. Woods was able to utilize his genius to figure out how to prevent accidents by inventing the induction telegraph system, which was a multiplex cab signal that can, that can be used for communication, routing, and safety. Okay? Was it like the VIOS of the day? Instead of, like, moving from cable to VIOS to the um, fiber optics, where you have more lines of communication versus just one in, one out, one using the same why yes, exactly, exactly. I'll wait for you to say something, then you say something, then I'll wait. Instead, exactly. 
Exactly. It was, a lot of his invention had multiple purpose. It wasn't just primary. It can be used in multiple ways. So if you had a train station today and you had a platform, it'll indicate when the, what train is coming, okay, and what time the train is coming. And so that's an upgrade of the system that he invented, began inventing in uh, 18, actually it was around 18... Uh, 79, and then he uh, made five models. He improved upon his own inventions uh, each time, and he would go out in public to demonstrate the invention for two reasons, to get uh, venture capitalists to, in to invest in the, uh, the invention so they can put it on the market, okay? He was a struggling loan inventor. So by showcasing this invention, perhaps someone would invest in it to help them put it on the market. That was okay. one of the reasons. The other reason was to uh, use it as documentation that the system was invented by him, okay? All right. And so he was also was able to make sketches of these inventions and had them signed by two witnesses. So Granville T. Woods not only was an inventor, he had to act as his own lawyer, his pre-lawyer, his own draftsman, and also to promote it. Truly an amazing man. He was very tenacious, now, how not he, only with this invention, did, but all of his inventions. How did he cross paths? How did he cross paths with um, Edison? I'm trying to get to okay, that. Okay, anytime you have, Granville T. was invented for a living. He wasn't having fun with this thing. He was inventing with a purpose to make money. His goal was to make money, okay? There were other inventors, inventors out there that had similar ideas. You have an idea that you want to use to uh, communicate with somebody from a train to the station. I also have an, an idea like that. And, I, and there's other people that have ideas. You're not the only one with an electrical idea, how to really? improve okay. that situation. And, how did and, they and, do the support? Huh? How did they get to the court process? I'm trying to get Okay. To when you have that, when you have inventors, one inventor, two inventors, all claiming the same idea, then you have a patent interference case. You're interfering me with me from getting my patent, and I'm interfering with you so you can get your patent. So, therefore, you have a judge, which is basically a patent examiner. He's not known as a judge, but he acts as a judge. He's a patent examiner to determine who has the documentation to affirm that he was the first inventor of that idea. Uh -huh. And guess what? Granville, too, was, was able to prove that against Lucius Phelps, who had a similar idea, and then against Thomas Edison, who also claimed that he had the idea first. And that's where he came, came into conflict. How did Granville T. Woods win? With his five working models, with, with, with witnesses to prove that uh, they, they, they uh, signed the sketches, okay? And there was articles uh, of those inventions that he demonstrated on the street, okay? And so then he also had a patent expert, uh, he had, no, not what I say, a, a patent expert. He had an electrical expert to uh, let the patent examiner know that this was a viable patent. There wasn't nothing abstract about it. He was able to explain 
the principles of each of these components and how they connected to make it a workable invention. And that was very big. When you had an expert patent, he was a, like an impartial witness. He can explain this invention, that invention, and let, let the, uh, the patent examiner know that this was a viable patent that was devised uh, in each area of that innovation. Now, he was an entrepreneur. Tell us more about his company and how, who he employed. Okay, now, he started his own Woods Electric Company, but once he won that case against Thomas Edison, he had people that was very powerful begin to upgrade the Woods Electric Company, okay? Now, this was a very large company, and they was going to put out the patents on his, on his device. They didn't even have to, he didn't have to uh, uh, protect his patents anymore because now they had lawyers to protect his, his, his innovations, Okay, all he had to do was invent, and that was back in 1887. When he was able to just sit down and invent patents, he invented almost 10 patents that year. Just, just, he didn't have to worry about nothing else but inventing. He had the money, the resources to do that, and he was only able to invent, and he, he invented so many things that year, okay, because he didn't have to worry about nothing else but to invent. He was an inventor. Okay, these these venture capitalists was about making money off his inventions. Okay, right. And so uh, Thomas Edison, he w- was similar. A lot of people that uh, don't know that uh, J.P. Morgan and the venture capitalists, along with Morgan, they the ones that bankrolled Thomas Edison and made it into a worldwide empire. And Tesla, okay? Tesla too. No, Tesla, yeah, Tesla, was the, he's the one that got th- uh, thrown under the bus by Thomas Edison, but he got a job. He started digging ditches because he seen what type of man that Thomas Edison was, and George Westinghouse uh, heard about him and hired uh, Tesla. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that was able to, with George Westinghouse, Werenthal, win the war of coverage by changing D.C. into A.C., Mm-hmm. So Edison was pushing DC current, direct current, right, right, right. which was very um, limited. Where did, they go, where did they all go to get their um, knowledge? Did you, did, did you research that far? Uh, yes. Uh, Tesla went to school. He was formally educated. Ta- uh, Granville T. Woods, he learned from a hands-on education. Thomas Edison learned from a hands-on education. They were not formally educated. You know they all visited Egypt. I didn't know they were all. They, uh, I didn't know uh, Woods visited yeah. Egypt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, the school. I know J.P. Morgan visited e- Egypt. Yeah, Alexandria is where all the universities were at the time, and they okay. visited Egypt and they learned about the current. And you know how we have gold as an element. Yeah. You look at the, um, the chart. You'll see what uh, what the breakdown is for each element and. In Egypt, there was a much more powerful um, source in the ground under the pyramid that made it a much better con- uh, conductor. Yes. So um, they all went to Egypt, and this is where, and, if, and I went there, you remember, on my honeymoon. You will see in the hieroglyphics inside of the tombs, 
pictures of wireless devices, light bulbs being held by individuals. They have a book called The Ark. The Ark. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I do have a book called The Ark on that. Yeah, it's very common. So they were using uh, wireless technology back in the Egyptian times. And it and and the powers that be they knew they knew about this technology. You know, Alexander Hamilton knew about it because he chose Patterson, New Jersey, my birthplace, as the site to invent and to create this technology because of the Great Falls. Tesla used water, hydro plants, as a way to conduct electricity. That's why he, he went out there in Canada. And upstate Niagara Falls, Niagara Falls. That's where it went. Niagara Falls to create the right. AC current. Right. So Patterson, New Jersey, they have a falls, but they're not using that technology. And it would upend everything if they were to convert all of our electricity to the way that Alexander Hamilton wanted it done, to the way that Tesla wanted it done. Um, we would not have all these electrical poles in New Jersey, New York. You got everything underground. So, you know, we're moving fast forward ahead. And to stay on this same line of thought, um, Zora Neale Hurston, her black family came from, I think it was Eatonville, Florida. Mm -hmm. They were one of the first towns in Florida to use the technology of electricity. So black people's electricity have been one since the beginning of time. And we learning how and sharing um, this power source for free since the beginning of time. Now, why do you want to harness it and control it and calculate it and measure it? You know, that's for someone else to, to talk about. But keep moving forward with the story of this lawsuit. I like how you explained to me years ago how this drama unfolded in court. Yes. Well, you know, you have to, anytime you have to prove the documentation to uh, prove that you're the prior inventor. Uh, in reality, uh, Lucius, Lucius Phelps, uh -huh. who was in, he was, he, he had inventive, uh, he was the first one that Granville T. Woods went up against. And he was backed by, uh, a dwarf by the name Charles Chevier who was uh, the president of the first telephone company in New York City. And he had an organization and, uh, that was uh, very well received by some very wealthy people. As a matter of fact, uh, he had contacted Thomas Edison regarding this induction telegraph system to be uh, part of a shareholder in the company with Lucius Phelps, but Edison said he had his own system. So they went into conflict with each other, Edison and Mr. Chevier using Lucius Phelps' system, and they both won parts of that innovation uh, in court in the patent interference case. But then they had to go up against Granville T. Woods, and Granville T. Woods beat them both. In reality, Lucius Phelps' system was very similar to Granville T. Woods, okay? But he didn't have, he didn't want to devise it. It was documented okay. that Ed, uh, Woods had devised the system earlier than Lucius Phelps. Okay. Before we, before we move on to the current inventions that you are sharing throughout, throughout the country, 
Um, let's wrap this up about um, Woods. How did he manage to end up in in Coney Island? And for young people who've never heard of Coney Island, you know, give us the backstory. Well, when Granville T. Woods was able to win the case against Thomas Edison, they started a company. But the owners of the company, they did not want to back him against an interference case with his electric railway ideas. He wanted, like most in, in, in innovators, they have ideas where they need to go, not where you want them to go. So he wanted to uh, electrify transportation. He didn't get the uh, support from the founders of that organization with the monies, the bankers and the investors. So he went to New York. He came to New York to electrify transportation, okay? And when he came to New York, he ran up against a patent shark that lived in, in, in Cincinnati and that knew him, who had came to uh, the, the, the city of New York to start the American Patent Agency. And he also named it the National Patent Agency because he got in trouble with the American Patent Agency in Cincinnati. So he changed the name to the, the, the National Patent Agency, okay? And he came to New York to start the National Patent Agency, and Granville T. Woods had an electric railway system at uh, this name, this man named David Haas, who had an electric motor company, uh, and he was uh, dealing with electric motor motors, and he allowed Granville T. Woods to build his electric railway system at his shop. He stole those ideas from Granville T. Woods, came to New Jersey with uh, Zerby to demonstrate it in New Jersey, okay? Okay, they were showcasing that device, and the problem was it began to short circuit because when it went outside, the oil, the air and moisture short circuit that system and they didn't know how to fix it. So they, they, nobody wanted to invest in that system. If they had brought Granville T. Woods along, he would have been able to fix that. But no, they wanted the money all for themselves. When Granville T. Woods came to the city of New York, he ran into Zerby. He seen a newspaper article. He came to New uh, and he went to see Zerby. Zerby knew who he was, but he didn't know who Zerby was at that time. And they began to put his system on the market in Coney Island, okay? But he stole Granville T. Woods' inventions in Coney Island by making a copy of it without Granville T. Woods' permission. And Granville T. Wood had a, a fight, an actual fist fight with him in his office. And they, the relationship was broken up. So he demonstrated Granville T. Wood's system and claimed it in Coney Island. It was very successful. And he brought out the electric uh, railway uh, owners, electricians, and the system, system was able to obliviate the overhead trolley system. It was a surface electric railway system that was revolutionary, that not only could operate on surface, but also put, uh, was able to light up the street lights on the corner of the lights, as well as electrical appliances at home. Once again, it was a multiplex system that was devised by the genius Granville T. Woods. Granville T. Woods went to court to claim that invention that was his. He put an advertisement in the electric age and some other uh, electrical journals saying that, saying that 
Zerbe had purloined that system, which means stolen. Zerbe had him locked up for criminal slander. And they went to court. And over he went to jail, too. He went to jail for a couple of days Ooh, for criminal Granville. slander. Granville, too, went to jail? Yeah, for, 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 for slandering Zerbe's name, okay? Because he didn't have the money to pay the bill. So he was able to, he was in jail for that, for a couple of days, okay? And then they went to court, and it was proven that the system belonged to Granville T. Woods. Then Granville T. Woods came out the following year with another electric railway system that was an electrical third rail conduit system in Coney Island. The first system was in 1892 in Coney Island. The next system was in 1893 in Coney Island, and he was able to get a better deal with some electric railway uh, or capitalists that, to, to invest in that system, okay? Wow. And then he upgraded that system into the modern-day third rail system that we have today, okay? Uh-huh. Okay, so um, you were telling me for the first time um, about all these modern-day inventors that you are sharing throughout the country. Tell me more. Okay. Now, anytime you're dealing with transportation, you have, you have to, uh, there's different areas of transportation. There's safety devices, and that deals with the air brake system. Okay. George Westinghouse invented the first air brake system. Okay. When you're inventing something, it's who's buying the invention to prove how valuable that invention. Sure, you can invent something, but who's purchasing the invention for commercial usage? George Westinghouse is the inventor of the air brake system, the first automatic air brake system. Granville T. Woods improved upon a George Westinghouse air brake system three times. Guess who bought the invention? George Westinghouse. Okay. Granville T. Woods third rail systems. Guess who bought that? those systems? General Electric. Okay. Now, a lot of people don't know that General Electric was formed between a company called Thompson and Houston. Okay, and Thompson and Houston was making more money than the Edison's Electric Company, and it was up in Boston, Massachusetts, somewhere. And J.P. Morgan and his venture capitalists said, "We want to own that system." So they went up to to purchase that system, and they said, "We don't want to sell it." So Morgan said, "We're going to merge your system with ours." They said, "We don't have a problem merging the system, Mr. Morgan, as long as we run the system and run the company." So where did that leave Thomas Edison? That left Thomas Edison out. Thomas Edison's system uh, company was now named General Electric. Edison was so flabbergasted, he was so mad. He said, I'm out of here. They said, okay. Huh? They was going to pay him his shares. But his people that knew Edison said, don't do that, because you'll get one bunch, one bulk amount, but you don't get the residuals that's coming through there on a regular basis. You'll lose out in the long run. He backed up and allowed that company to run the system, General Electric, the people that own Thompson in Houston. So General Electric bought Granville T. Woods inventions, okay? They bought those electric railway inventions. It wasn't one of them. It was more than one. Why there was more than one? Because uh, he couldn't get any residuals for his invention. He was smart enough to recognize that. So what did he do? He knocked on their door. 
I have an improvement. They bought the improvement. He did that five times. They bought all of those inventions outright. He couldn't get any residuals, so he had to make, he had to improve upon the system. Do his family get any money for that? No. He got the money. He got paid outright, and that was about as good as it was going to get for Grant, which he was. But he is the father of modern rail transportation, based upon the research I did to change transit history back in 2004 when I was able to get him recognized for being the key inventor of the subway for the opening of the subway centennial operation, a century of progress. They gave me the mic, made four panels, and, and made four million metro cars to acknowledge Granville T. Woods as the key inventor of the subway. That is my claim to fame. That's right. How many, how many subway passes? It was four million. Two million was in Spanish, and two million was in English. And it said, this self-educated African-American made subway travel possible in New York City where he patented the third rail system for conducting electric power to railway cars. I've said it so many times, I know it by heart. You were running down so many names today to me earlier. Please run that down for our audience, and then we'll wrap up this show. Your names like uh, who? who would, would you? Modern day invented the GPS system, the cell phone. Oh yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Let me go back to Graham. What he was one more. Uh, so many things he invented that was revolutionary. One was known as the dead man switch, which is a safety apparatus that must be on each train. It's mandatory. That's if a, a railroad a conductor. A railroad operator, not a conductor, a railroad engineer uh, releases the clutch. The train will automatically stop. It was known as the safety apparatus. He didn't invent one of them. He invented two of them to General Electric. General Electric is not going to buy one patent if it's not any good. Okay? Okay, so when you're talking about modern-day technology, what, what I'm using in my hand is a, a, a cell phone. Jesse Russell is the inventor of the modern cell phone. His job was to take it out the car because they want to utilize it in a vehicle and take it out of vehicle and put it in, the, in, in your hand. They didn't know how to do that. But he went to Tennessee State in that area, and he was able to do that revolutionary idea so we can do what we're doing right now, putting it in our hand to communicate with one another. Jesse Russell is the father of modern cell phones. Then you got Silicon Valley. They speak about Steve Jobs and the other gentlemen, and their names should be recognized. I have no problem recognizing what you do, but don't leave us out of the equation because we're always there too. Roy Clay Sr., he's the father of Silicon Valley. He was a software engineer for Hewlett Packard, okay? David Packard hired uh, Roy Clay to begin uh, – utilizing computer as a software engineer. He played a leadership role in that area in Silicon Valley, okay? Then you have the .com, .org domain. Edward, Mc, Edward McHenry, Edward McHenry, who is still alive today, who's an engineer, he's the one that created that device, okay? The domain, domain names, and so forth and so on, okay? Now you're talking also about the GPS system. The GPS system was started by Gladys West, a naval uh, officer, and she was a genius. Just like in Hidden Figures, Hidden Colors, 
uh, hidden figures, she was a, math, a, a genius mathematician, and she was able to calculate the GPS for the, for the military first, and now we're using it today, Gladys West, and that was in the 1950s. A lot of these inventions are used in the military first before they come into public use. Okay, let's be mindful of that. Mark Dean, did you use a PC computer? Mark Dean holds three original patents of the PC computer. Okay? They speak about some of these great men that played a part in computer. Well, he played a great part. They leave him out the equation. Okay? And then you also have uh, the, the, uh, the game cartridge industry. Okay? There's so many game cartridges, people, these young kids, and even grown-ups play with the game cartridges. Jerry Lawson, he's the, he's the one that modernized the game cartridge industry. Jerry Lawson, look him up, look his name, look, look up his name, okay? Uh, now, let's go back to, let me step back for a moment to Louis Latimer. Louis Latimer was a contemporary of... Uh, Granville T. Woods, and he's part of the Edison Pioneers, the only African-American uh, part of, uh, of, of, that played a part in Edison's Pioneer. He didn't get him because he was a black person. He connected with uh, Louis Latimer because he was a genius like Thomas Edison, but he worked within the, a company confines. He was not a lone inventor. He's the one that built, drew up the, the blueprint for the telephone. Alexander Graham Bell's telephone, okay, as a draftsman. He also was the inventor of the carbon uh, filament. Edison had a carbon filament. He had a better one. Edison's filament, the light, was like a light bulb. It would go on and then it would go off, like a Christmas light, go on and come off. That's not good for commercial usage. He's the one that uh, made it possible for the light bulb to stay on with his carbon filament. And guess what? He's the one that wrote the book on the Edison incandescent lighting system, okay? Edison didn't write the book on the Edison incandescent book. He wrote the book, Lewis Latimer. He's also uh, served as an electrical consultant in inter patent interference cases. When you went up against Edison, he protected Edison with his great electrical mind to showcase why Edison was the primary uh, inventor of the system. So he worked with Edison in multiple ways. Lewis Latimer and his house is in Russian and he's right. still there today. And I, I went there and presented Granville T. Woods uh, on, uh, for a couple of weeks. I made a presentation and, 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 and kept my exhibit uh, that the MTA sponsored my exhibit. I was going all around. I still have that exhibit. And recently I was at the cemetery for Granville Tree Woods this year, April 23rd. Now, is there a museum at Latimer's house? Is there a museum? Yes, it is it's more than a house. Yes, it has information about uh, Lewis Latimer during that time period, a lot of newspaper articles, pictures. He also was a poet, very poetic young man, a family man who worked within the, in the system. And within the system, him and Granville too was at the same lawyers for for a period of time. Uh huh. Okay. All right. Well, that has been a wonderful, wonderful um, so cruelty, I guess you would say, <laughs> um, of 
of black inventors. And I want to thank you for, you know, coming on at the last minute and sharing all your wealth of knowledge that's just pouring out of you like a spring. Um, So, again, David Head, if someone wants to contact you to purchase your book, to have you come speak, um, and we're going to move this part of the interview up to the front, um, how would they contact you? Okay, I have a website, David L. Head Foundation, www.davidlheadfoundation.com, lowercasing, davidlheadfoundation.com. That's my website. My email address is dlhfoundation51 at gmail.com, dlhfoundation51 at gmail.com. And my phone number is area code 917-517-1770. Once again, 917-517-1770. And let me say this as well. I didn't mention any woman, and there's a lot of great woman inventors, and they get left out all the time. And what would we do without women? Women are the mothers of nature, uh, mother nature, and without a woman, I wouldn't be here. So we got to give our hats off to, to women. Betty Wright, when you go to the airport, you go through the scam and they check for chemicals, she's the inventor of that. She was a chemist. Betty Wright. Look her up. All right. All right. Thank you, David. You have a good You're day. You're welcome. You're so much welcome. It's good to be here, alive, <laughs> to be able to share this history uh, as many times as I can, and it's a labor of love. All right. Thanks again. You're welcome, Leslie. Okay. Bye-bye.